0: And the first lady in attendance today. Getting their sports fix on. World Series UFC fight, Alabama LSU. That's a pretty good couple of weeks. Shows a good game, didn't he? He sure did. A little heightened security at Bryant Denny Stadium. <laughs> we sure. had the largest crowd ever three hours before a kickoff <laughs> at a stadium in history, right?
1: Okay, hey, here's uh here's a version from the cell phone and somebody in the crowd of when President Trump was introduced at what they were calling the game of the century football game over the weekend.
0: Jack, they're not cheering.
1: They're chanting impeach. So that was Alabama versus LSU. And um, uh, if you're into college football, that's just it's just so freaking huge. You can't even wrap your head around it. But in red states where Trump's popular, and he was cheered like flipping crazy nights. A decent chance you didn't hear that. Because it didn't get near the national media attention as when he got booed by a D.C. Uh, lefty crowd. And, you know, it is what it is. You know you know how the news thing works. But oh, yeah. he got cheered like flipping crazy by 100,000 people in a different venue. All right. If the media
2: wants Trump reelected, keep it up. Because the people in Louisiana and Alabama are more than aware that, wait a minute. He got cheered like crazy, and nobody talked about it. They portrayed him being booed at the WWF thing or WE or whatever it is these days. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and from all accounts, it was some booing and a lot of cheering. So yeah, just keep it going, keep it going.
1: Um, uh, duh. we got a new moon tomorrow night, full Beaver Moon. This is the first time we've had one of those. Got a full Beaver Moon tomorrow <laughs> night. That's a
2: tail slapping good time. <laughs>
1: Uh, it was enormous this morning as I was driving
2: in. Oh, at ODAR so you're just seeing the warm up to the full oh, beaver please. moon. I thought it was. I, I thought I'd saw the uh, the beaver there. That uh, that happens tomorrow night. No beaver moon. So in my... do you know about Mercury transit? Speaking of uh, celestial objects, this is the day, and it's not going to happen again for thirty years when Mercury makes its way across the front of the Sun.
1: Is this Mercury in retrograde? Oh, so. Somebody said that the other day. Maybe. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. That's a, that explains my mood swings. Yeah, some people really believe the mercury and retrograde thing uh, affects human beings. I mean, yeah, that's right. when people get crazy and depressed or murderous or whatever. Maybe it does. I'm feeling a little murderous myself. But wow, yeah. Wow. Uh,
2: but I heard. <laughs> There's uh, your headline. I heard some newscasters uh, say repeatedly, do not stare at the sun. Do not stare no. at the sun. Your eclipse glasses aren't good enough.
1: Go ahead. Stare at the sun. If you're the sort of person that's going to stare at the sun, there's nothing I can do to fix right. your life or stop a bunch of window lickers. Huh? Bull. yeah So impeachment gets really up and running this week uh, Wednesday with hearings on television and all the networks are going to take them live and we'll see'll see, we'll see how we'll see how people react. It's a dog and pony show, man. I I, I, I don't and, know if
2: and you're I, re- here's how you can tell it's a dog and pony show. There all are these... dogs, and there are little horses. <laughs> and they put on a show. That's how you know it. And there are short horses, and there's a show going on. Exactly. It's uh, The the big three, the three headliners this week, are all people who have already testified. They've already answered all of these questions, and
1: there are transcripts of it. But they want them on TV. Yeah, I don't know if, if the video of it will make a difference, but... Boy, the Mueller buildup when he testified. Nobody read the book, but they will watch the movie. How many times did you hear that? Plenty. Because 3% of people read any of the Mueller report when it came out. But wait till he's on TV. Now, there was the slight difference that he was ancient and unable to even explain his own report. Yeah, he was the name on the
2: report, honestly. Not a great choice. But one of his underlings might have done better.
1: But my only point is we've had this sort of build-up before that wait till people see the video. And, I mean, it it put an end to the whole Russian thing. So, right. so we'll see what happens on Wednesday. All I, right. Well, I, and listen,
2: it comes down to this. Trump sends Rudy... There's a loose cannon around. Rudy does some stuff that's savory, some that's not savory. You know, we're all pretty familiar with the whole Ukraine narrative at this point, and the polls have not moved much. So, if you're. I'd be shocked if, if this week amounts to anything.
1: We had the breaking news on Friday. It happened uh, at the end of the show that uh, Kevin McCarthy made the really smart move of moving Jim Jordan onto the House Intelligence Committee. Jim Jordan's the guy who's always just in his shirt sleeves. Yelling at people. Right. He's really good at it. Yeah. And uh, they moved him onto the committee so he could quite, strenu- quite strenuously question people and defend Trump. So they're expecting it to be a, uh, a show, and he- he's there to put on a show, I guarantee you. Yeah. Well, that makes me a little more excited about it. Oh, there's not a chance that he doesn't have good sound bites. So. And
2: Adam Schiff is weak, man. He's bad.
1: He's just, he's just, he comes off as, you want to wipe yourself
2: off after he speaks.
1: Um, ex-Clinton strategist over the weekend said, don't rule out a Hillary run. Oh boy. Okay. (sighs) This is from uh, Mark Penn, who, if you followed the Clinton orbit for all those years, was a major strategist running campaigns, all that sort of stuff. He's a big deal in Clinton world. And he said, um, with Bloomberg getting in, this is going to make her think, well, if he can get in, if he thinks he can win, I certainly can win. So never know. I don't know. Um, that's enough on that.
2: One more limitation of free speech. Uh, my, uh, my support for the First Amendment is eroding. The number of times we can be threatened with Hillary getting back in. I mean, we can, can we limit it to twice a week? Please. I mean, sell the permits and give the money to veterans' charities or something. NBC uh, has been on successfully a permit to threaten us with Hillary. <laughs> and so, Tuesday night, our lead story, the Clinton orbit, is
1: suggesting that, and you know, the money would go to a nice school. You don't think this had some effect on her when heard Bloomberg was getting in? He de- I do. He debuts in sixth place? She's got to think of a bigger deal than that, runt. Oh, I don't yes. doubt that. Yes, yes. There you go, Hill. Uh, I don't doubt that for a
2: single second.
1: <sighs> Boy, I'm tempted. I'm tempted to ask, what would it take? I I didn't mean to uh, take it any further than that. Um, And then later this hour, we're going to talk to my clients, who we usually have on to talk about military matters and strategy and policy and all that sort of stuff. But we thought today we'd just have them on to talk a little bit about being a veteran service, everything that you should talk about on Veterans Day, which is today. Mm -hmm. I've been um, listening to what's the podcast, uh, the history podcast that's so popular Hardcore History? Hardcore History by Carlin is his Dan name? Dan Carlin, yeah. Anyway, he's got a oh with his Seven Dirty Words thing. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's that great. Was, that was Different his brother. Anyway, I'm listening to his World War 1 stuff and it's like 15 hours long. I know. I mean, it's I know. it's really in depth and I'm so and I'm loving every second of it. I might do it twice. I'm loving it so much. Wow. But um the thing that always just sticks in my mind is how the world did not see that war coming. Two weeks before it started, nobody it thought it was coming. Did not see? <laughs> did not see. Nazis Nazi were 20 were twenty years later. Oh, oh wrong, wrong right. war. But just, n- nobody thought that that could happen anymore. Right. Right. Just as today, you know, it just can't happen. We're all too economically interdependent and enough democracies and we're just smarter now. And right. Calmer heads. Exactly. And, uh, you know, and I, I hope nothing like that ever happens again. It would be foolish to think so, though, right? I mean, human nature being what it is and, and whatnot. I, I would
2: agree with that and, notion, and, and it will be uh, started by China.
1: And the and the other part of it is um, nobody fully understanding what a war would look like with modern technology. Because the modern technology was around, but nobody would ever used it fighting each other before. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the countries that had machine guns had used it on natives on horseback with spears in Africa, oh and it was uh, quite impressive. But nobody had ever seen two groups, both armed that way, take each other on until World War One. Kind of similar to nuclear power. Nobody's ever seen two nuclear countries go at it with each other. Well, let's hope we don't. Right, that'll be the you know practically the end of things if it ever happens. But. Yeah, it's just, yeah, It just strikes me. And World War One, which at, after it occurred, was the biggest conflict in, in, in human history. And, and everybody thought, geez, I hope we never do anything like that again. And 20 years later, they did something seriously worse. But um, it took, I think the number is 19 people to start that war. 19 decision makers to get that world war going. I don't even know if you even need that many now when you got uh, a guy like Xi in China mm-hmm. um, or, or Kim in North Korea especially. If he lost his mind at some point and decided to fire off a nuke, there's one guy making a decision. Right. And then one guy has to respond, Trump, really quickly. So I don't know. I hope none of that happens. Right. Well, this is heavy
2: stuff to consider. I hope it doesn't either. I suspect, though, the, the World War One thing is particularly chilling because it was not the nuking of Los Angeles by Kim Jong-un. It was, you know, the Archduke getting shot, and vengeance needed to be taken. And those it was taken against were like yeah, that was overboard, and our buddies are pissed too.
1: And it just grew; it was a chain reaction. And the one thing that I've learned from reading about so many wars through history: this happens every single time. Clear up to uh, invading Iraq, everybody always thinks it's not going to be that; it's not going to last very long. We got this figured out; we're well positioned. This won't last very long, mm-hmm. and it almost always ends up way uglier than anybody thought. Yeah. stopping it is almost impossible.
2: Right, that's an excellent point.
1: Yeah, these things are much easier to get into than out of. Yeah, uh, and William Tecumseh Sherman, who's famously quoted all the time, uh, the guy who was uh, from the Civil War, um, who said war is hell. The rest of that quote, and I won't have it exactly right, but it: war is hell and the glories are phony, basically. that th- There's just no glory in this. It's just awful. It's just awfulness. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway got to remember that on veterans day cuz we got lots of people that are willing to go out and, and fight these battles for us throughout history so that we can have the kind of life we have the consumerist life where we go out and buy cars we don't need for instance we got a gazillion texts from people with their various vehicles that they've driven for 200 300,000 miles right yeah
2: yeah you know that's and whoops look at the time mm. uh, we've been talking about a variety of topics related to the modern world and what it's doing to the human psyche Um, and, and I understand this is ironic since we're more or less in the advertising business, although we will not allow any unsavory or unwise messages on our air, Um, (laughs) unsavory or check your local listings. Um, but the, uh, Madison Avenue, they used to call it the, the geniuses. And some of them are the, the, the brightest people of our time who convince you that you need something to have a happy life. You must do this and that, you know, if I can make one suggestion for how to live your life. Break free of that. Don't let anybody else tell you what you need to be happy. Um, Because, as we were discussing last hour, you got people trading in $20,000 cars. Uh, that they still owe $5,000 on. And then, you know, when it comes time, they decide they want a new car, they end up taking on $15,000 extra debt on top of the new car they got until they're making enormous payments for the rest of their lives. But I'm
1: driving a nicer car now. Well, great. Super. Good for you. Um, Mike Lyons later this hour to talk about Veterans Day and all its meaning. That'll be pretty cool.
3: Strong
1: and Getty show. Later in the show, we'll talk about um, uh, streaming wars. According to one entertainment mogul, the next eighteen months are going to be the most interesting in the history of the entertainment business, with the major tectonic plates shifting for subscriptions and who owns what and where you spend your money and all that sort of thing—movies, mm. Mo- TV, etc. So stay tuned for that. Also, Marshall's got his news coming up in a little bit, and we'll delve into uh, what's the impeachment thing going to look like this week. If you want to make a, you know, schedule your plans to either take it in or ignore it, or I might try to avoid it. That might be what I do.
2: Yeah, I figure I'll dip in and out, and um, then uh,
1: look for the highlights package. Uh, watched watch a little of Bill Maher, his show on HBO on Friday night. He got into Facebook, and I thought this stuff was really interesting.
4: And now Zuckerberg has decided Facebook will not be policing political speech on their site or fact-checking any political ads. And this only applies to politics. Other stuff still has rules. On Facebook, you cannot say Pizza Hut murders puppies and puts it in the sauce. (laughs) But you can say Pizza Hut murders puppies and puts it in the sauce on orders from Bernie Sanders. (laughs) And I hate to tell you, but that's the way it should be. Do you want political speech policed by the accuracy regulation departments at Facebook and Twitter? Not me. I'm always going to come down on the side of free speech, the parameters of which have been debated for centuries by our finest legal minds, and also Clarence Thomas. (laughs) And figuring out when politicians are full of It is the responsibility of the voters and no one else. People have to build up an immunity to falsehoods. We can't pass the buck to a referee because a referee is still human.
1: So I thought that was really interesting. That's the Joe Getty point of view, by the way. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Um, uh, Bill Maher taking that angle. Mm -hmm. Now, he does. I've noticed that he does this. He's got a formula. He realizes I'm about to take on a lot of my base. So, I gotta throw in something that makes them realize I'm still on their side. So, out of nowhere, Clarence Thomas shot. Right. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still one of you. Racist. To so make sure you understand. Yeah. But, uh, making the argument that. You should be allowed to have an ad that says Pizza Hut grinds up puppies for its sauce on orders of Bernie Sanders. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) because I'm surprised by that. Because voters need to figure out what's real and what's not. you better off having the voters decide what's true and what's not than a couple of people Zuckerberg picked at Facebook. Well, the problem with this is everybody thinks, no, 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 we can figure
2: it out. We can figure out how to be fair. They thought that 1,200 years ago, they thought it 800 and 275 and 25 and 11 and 3 and 2 and 1 and 2 weeks ago. Some smart people declared that, and every single time they screw it up. So, you know, in the modern world, with modern media, I suppose it's going to be, we'll be bombarded with those uh, lies and, you know, efforts to spend the rest of it a lot more than we used to be, or in different ways, but... Well, it's just it's, it's, you got to deal with it. We get stuff forwarded all the time from you, good folks. Um, it, it, a lot of it is just crap, and if you'd taken two minutes to look into it, you'd have realized it was crap. Um,
1: I've got such a, doing that. I've got such a good example of that sort of thing uh, uh, coming up, or I'll do it right before Marshall's news. What do you got coming up in your news, Marshall?
0: Well, I'll tell you what: the impeachment hearings coming to you live this week. Moderate Dems not happy with Bloomberg, and get ready for an anti-stress
1: vaccine. It turns out the cure is as old as dirt. An anti-stress vaccine, isn't that wine or beer or vodka? Heading off into the woods, no forwarding
2: address. (laughs) Don't need to (laughs) inject
1: it into you so much, but, uh, you know, you drink it in a nice tumbler, it seems to do the thing. Hell, you got me. I got to stay tuned. Marshall's who's next? We're about to get into an impeachment talk, just a little bit of what's going to be happening media-wise and that sort of thing. And we just did a little segment on uh, Bill Maher from Friday Night on HBO not wanting Facebook to police political ads because he doesn't trust any of the gateholders. He wants voters to decide and believes in free speech. Here's here's a good example to me of uh, the reason you can't have gatekeepers on what is true and what is not on both sides, on all sides politically. But this is from The Washington Post today. They've got a column. Beware. Impeachment hearings will be the trickiest test of covering Trump. The president's distraction machine will be revved up as he fights for survival. Journalists need to be on their game. So the president's side is going to be obfuscating and spinning and it's really gonna be difficult to pay Not the ship side, shifts ship and everybody on MSNBC. No spin there. No no cherry picking quotes. Truth facts. Uh, so you, only a column in the Washington Post Boy you're really this week it's gonna be really hard to keep an eye on Trump and what's true and what's not. Come right. on, you know you gatekeepers of the truth. Yeah, there's
2: there's a great example of that kicking around. I've got a copy of it somewhere. Where is it? The good folks at PolitiFact were asked about, um, oh, where is that? Somebody said, yeah, the Democrats are in favor of uh, free health care for illegal aliens. And PolitiFact found that untrue. That's not true. In spite of the fact that all the candidates stood on stage and lifted their hands when they were asked, if they were in favor of it. So, yeah, it's, uh, the, the truth is in the eye of the beholder.
1: So we want to have plenty of time to talk to Mike Lyons. He's been our go-to military strategist yep. analyst for a long time. We're going to talk to him about Veterans Day coming up. Right now, the news with Marsha Phillips.
0: As Jack was mentioning, it is going to be a busy week in the nation's capital as the first public House impeachment hearings get underway. The first session is going to begin Wednesday morning, followed by a second session on Friday. They not only are going to be covered by the cable news networks and C SPAN, but the broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, all have announced that they will be airing them live. How long are they going to stick with it? Are they going to
1: do hours and hours of blowing out the network coverage that's for this? That's what it
0: looks like at this hmm. point. That's a well, good you know, That's the way I'm reading it. Anyway, they'll start out with a couple of State Department officials, William Taylor and George Kent. They'll be the first to appear during those hearings. I,
1: I suppose you've got to. I mean, the president is actually going to be impeached. It is going to happen, and it's only happened a couple of times in our nation's history. It's it's historic.
0: Meanwhile, presidential candidate and Senator Amy Klobuchar blasted former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg for suggesting last week of his possible late entry into the Democratic race that he'd be doing because he thinks the field isn't strong enough to beat President Trump next year. Klobuchar, who's in the moderate lane of the Democratic presidential race that Bloomberg would also be in if he runs, said on CNN's State of the Union.
3: I certainly welcome Mayor Bloomberg to the race. He has done incredible work on gun safety, on environmental issues. And it is work of merit. But I don't think you just waltz in and say instead of, well, I'm good enough to be president, your argument is the other people aren't good enough. That is not how we've been conducting these debates.
1: Well, did you hear Bernie over the weekend on stage with AOC standing at his side? And maybe we'll play that for you at some time. But he got up on yeah. stage and he said... I got a message for the billionaires. You ain't going to buy this election. And the crowd went berserker wild. right? Mm-hmm. right. Um, so Bloomberg is, you know, wading into that whole right. thing. He did debut in sixth place. You got a whole bunch of candidates, yeah. Amy Klobuchar included, Right. Uh, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Beto, a whole bunch of people who thought they were going to be a big deal. He's ahead of them already. Right. But nobody's ever done this before. Uh, Skipped all the the, the states that everybody talked about. Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and then just jumped in late. Rudy announced that's what he was going to do. Yeah, and never even got far enough to even try it. Nope.
2: So tonight we say to Michael Bloomberg and other billionaires, sorry, you ain't going to buy this election.
1: Tom Steyer. One of the others he's naming, obviously. Will Bloomberg ever have a crowd that sounds like that? It's hard to imagine that he would. I'm fairly practical. I also have lots of money. Yay. (laughs) I'm going to take your guns, but I'm fairly pro-business.
2: I kowtow to communists when there's money to be made, but I'll stop when I'm in office.
1: We've never had anybody actually go all in on spending on a presidential election. There's always talk when these rich people are and running. He could spend this much money, but they never do. I, and I've, I've always wondered why. Because they think it would look bad or whatever? There's no reason. I don't think he would, but there's no reason why he couldn't spend $25 billion. Doing what, though? He's got Just Blanketing 50. the land with ads or, yeah. or what? That'd be more than you'd need to spend. But a billion? Why, why not spend a billion dollars? To become president of the United States if you think that the uh, the the alternative is is awful. Both sides did last time, just collectively. But one guy, <clears throat> he doesn't need anybody's help. Yeah, he doesn't need to get any. He doesn't need to call any donor. He doesn't need to get the right. party on his side he doesn't right. need to do anything.
2: Sire's done that more or less, hasn't he? And to limited effect. I don't know. It's you got to have the message. If you were a charismatic candidate, great message. And you had that on your side. I think you'd, you'd be fabulous. Mm-hmm. But, man, the money alone, just, well, look at Tom Steyer. And look at him quickly, because he'll be gone <laughs> soon.
1: So, Morning Joe on MSNBC yeah. was beating up Bloomberg pretty good, because the story came out over the weekend that Bloomberg's got all these analytics that he's looking at or whether or not he could get in. And his analytics showed him uh, last year that the, the path wasn't there. And the analytics now, they're just... And they were making the point that you're never going to win if that's the way you're looking at it. Trump, There is no path for Trump, according to every expert out there and mm-hmm. all analytics. Um, there is no path for him. You have to make your own path. You have to change the the, 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 the momentum. You have to change the conversation. You take over and you decide what everybody's talking about, right. what the main issues are. You have to be that kind of guy. And if you're just going to interview a whole bunch of pollsters, you're probably not cut out for this. Certainly running against Trump.
0: Well, it turns out a vaccine to prevent stress could really happen. Researchers in Colorado say they are closer to stopping stress before it starts, and the secret could be in dirt. Bacteria found in the soil offers a protection against inappropriate inflammation. It is the inflammation that triggers stress, And that stress then causes more inflammation. It is a vicious cycle. And the reason that we're getting more and more stress, these researchers think, is because more and more people have moved away from farms, away from agriculture, away from getting their hands dirty. They are moving away from the things that build their immunity. And
2: the modern obsession with cleanliness and killing bacteria and the rest of it. Antibiotic, this, that,
1: and the other. So is this inflammation like it just feels like stress, but it's not a stressful situation? Or do we end up in stressful situations and it causes this inflammation?
0: Like it says, it's a vicious cycle. Yes, yes, they are related. The inflammation Mm. causes stress. The stress causes more inflammation and on and on it goes so it looks like you know they're getting close to you can go out and get a uh, shot or you can get a shot of whiskey just roll around in the dirt or roll around in the dirt get drunk and fall down (laughs) (laughs) there you go around in the dirt perfect that's your news i'm marshall phillips the armstrong and getty show the conscience of the nation
1: if massive money can buy an election why wasn't meg whitman governor of california Well, there are all kinds of examples. Yeah, there's all kinds of examples on how it can't. And uh, it's, it's been proven over and over again, but nobody's ever tried to run for president like this. So we'll see what happens. We like Mike Lyons around here. If there's a military dust up anywhere in the world, he's the guy that we get on the, uh, the horn. That's what we call the phone, the horn. Mm, I don't.
2: Yeah. Mike is, is clear headed. He's wise. He's experienced. He is not a partisan, uh, flamethrower.
1: He's a very reasonable guy. And we're going to have him on today to talk about Veterans Day. How about that? Not enough talk about Veterans Day. Coming up.
4: Armstrong and Getty.
3: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: At the 11th hour, on the 11th day of the 11th month, in 1918, World War One came to an end. And so November 11th got named Armistice Day, and stayed Armistice Day for a while to remember the end of the greatest worst war in world history, which only held that title for a couple of decades. Uh, since has been renamed Veterans Day, and it's a chance to honor all veterans. That's Today. And we've invited Mike Lyons,
2: military analyst for CBS News, frequent guest on the Armstrong and Getty Show, to chat with us about Veterans Day.
3: Mike, how are you, sir? Hi, good morning, guys, and thanks so much for having me, especially on Veterans Day today. I really appreciate it.
2: You know, it's funny. I was just saying to Jack before we jump back on the air with you that the, the difficulty here is to encapsulate this chat into a few minutes as opposed to like a two-, three-hour podcast as we talk about service and uh, america's relationship to its military in days gone by and and yeah. currently and um and how we tend to take our, our fighting men and women for granted in my opinion uh, mm-hmm. what do you think of when it comes around to veterans day what's foremost in your mind
3: yeah i'm just glad it matters again you know i when i first got in the military early on i would go out and Tell people I was in the military and I had people say to me, oh, I didn't think anybody did that anymore. And, uh, you know, that was at that end of that terrible Vietnam era where we blamed our soldiers for that situation that happened on the ground there. And I'm glad we've come full circle now. We no longer blame our soldiers, and, and I'm grateful for those Vietnam veterans that that withstood a tremendous hardship and had to deal with um, a lot of things that they shouldn't have had, had to do and I'm glad that we're grateful for our veterans now again I'm glad it's come full circle and and I think most veterans feel it's not about you know for, it's not about me it's about the other veterans and to me it's always been about those Vietnam veterans and you know when I was a kid growing up the World War II veterans and the Korean War veterans and it's always about that other generation and I'm glad um, that, that we, we no longer um, take those veterans for granted.
1: What's something that should be thought about on Veterans Day? Um, aside from the things you just said, should we be uh, talking about the state of our military? The state of conflicts around the world? Whether or not we should be in them or not? What, 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 which direction there?
3: You know, I always, I'm always i a numbers guy, and I look at some of the numbers here, and the reason why you look on social media today and all of the Remembrance Day for the British military and uh, the Canadian forces, you've got to think about the numbers that some of those countries lost in, in those wars. 800,000 alone, World War One, the British Army uh, took. Um, you know, we, we haven't had those kind of casualties since the Civil War, and in our country, every every life is, is so valuable. So I, I think that we, we We forget that we still do live in the in the safest time in the history of the world, and there hasn 't been this, uh, this mass of, of, uh, of, uh, of warfare, and we don't have the mass casualties anymore. Now we're, we're, we're a heartbeat away, we're a matchstick away. We, you know, it, it could happen anytime. Obviously, with the nuclear weapons we have, and, but I, I think that um, we should look at what's, what we're doing more for now, and we should look at as to where we're deploying troops, and we should, you know, we shouldn't necessarily try to bring soldiers home. We should recognize that we've got to figure out where we need to put them in places that keep us safe here on the homeland.
2: I've read a couple of books recently that have made the point that m- most societies through history have had a very specific, very important process of welcoming men back from war. Everybody mm-hmm. knew how to do that and when to do that. And the idea that you would just get off a plane and wander back to your apartment or your home or whatever is is a modern... Uh, thing and and not a healthy thing uh, mm-hmm. i I have a feeling you know what I'm driving at um yeah. th- th- any thoughts on that how to better welcome warriors back from from war and conflict
3: yeah I think that um in today 's world there's this focus on having them have jobs. I think that's so important right now we 've got to look at the the mental health aspects because when you go into a war zone it's um it 's not like anything you, normal society and and what happens there and what you see there and then you kind of cross this line back you get on that plane and you go home i i can I never forget going there and and, and, and as i 'm landing looking at the the anti aircraft guns that were surrounding the airport and i 'm going boy this is this is on and then Leaving, having that same feeling of um, going back to the world, we, as we say back then. But um, no question, that transition to get to get a job and to be welcomed back is is important. And again, we didn't always do it. I think we're doing a better job of it now. Unfortunately, there's people out there trying to take advantage of it as well. But um, if you can look at uh, you know at a veteran that you could possibly hire for your for your work. I'd I'd give that person another look, and look, everybody is very competitive out there and and everything is like, but I'll tell you, that veteran will do whatever they can to to make sure the job gets done.
1: I was just looking at your resume up on our screen here. I was about to reintroduce you as Mike Lyons, our military analyst that we talked to on all things military over the years and thought we'd have you on on Veterans Day, but what particular um, military, I want to say adventure, but that's probably not the right word, uh, mission uh, are you most proud of being a part of?
3: Yeah, it's easy. I took 120 men into combat and took 120 men back home to their families, and I'll never accomplish anything that'll have that same magnitude or that same value. Um, you know, that's something that I've always, you know, it's hard, it's, you know, when you go on a job interview and you try to tell it to somebody and they kind of look at you side-eyed, but but for the men that I, I served with, it's something that, um, you know, we know that we did, and, and look, I, I had a lot, we had a lot of luck, we had a lot of things, but, I had a job to do in combat, and, I, you know, everybody had to do their job in combat, and I think that, um, you know, for me, that's uh, it, nothing will ever come. I could do a lot of things in my life going forward, and I'll, I'll never come anything close to that one.
2: I saw a poll yesterday that it's something like half or slightly more than half of service people are are, are uncomfortable when people say thank you for your service. Um, and, you know, there are plenty of people who mean it sincerely. I think of course. It's, it's kind of an easy thing to do for other people. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that or alternatives or, or anything?
3: Yeah, no, I'm grateful for that, too. I, I When people make a big deal about that, I, I don't know why. I went to, Someone says that to me. I, I truly thank them for saying that to me. And, you know, I volunteered. I raised my hand. I knew what I was getting into. Um, I didn't think it was going to happen on a lot of levels, you know, back in the early 80s. And like I can tell you, a lot of people never think it, think it was going to. But I was well prepared. I trained my whole adult life for that job. And um, but no, I, I don't I'm not a cynic. I don't look at that cynically. I think someone's grateful when they say that. And, and look, there's there's people that um, want to serve that can't can't serve, couldn't serve, whatever the case may be. Um, if that's what you know they can do to help out a veteran, I think that's fine. But it, it's not something that it doesn't make me any better than them or, or anything else. But I I have no problem with that. And again, I watched reports the younger generation or some people get excited about that. Like you know they they deserve something from it. It just is not the case for me.
2: Mike Lyons, military analyst uh, for CBS News and and frequently for us as well. Uh, Mike, we really appreciate the time and, and your thoughts. And, you know, let's continue this discussion on another day because it will always be relevant.
3: Yeah, sounds good, guys, and thanks for everything that you do for our active forces and red and everything and getting the word out, and uh, it's uh, it's something I, I really appreciate for what you guys do.
2: Right. Well, thank thank you for saying that. I think we're all called to serve our country in whatever ways we find appropriate. Thanks, Mike. Talk soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks yep. for having me. Oh, we'll
1: be raising a lot of money next month, and we'll be telling you about that uh, when the time comes.
2: Um, yeah, I wish I I wish we had time. I was going to get into the idea of a draft, but because I was struck uh, over the weekend last week or so, I've heard somebody on the far left and somebody on the pretty far right um, saying it's obvious that we need the draft again. Um, but every military officer I've talked to, not in every that's unfair. Most of them have said, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to depend on and I don't want my guys to depending on. To be depending on a bunch of people who were dragged into it don't want to be there. They're resistant. Um, it's just it does. It's not as good as it sounds.
1: Well, the reasons that it that it won't happen are, uh, you know, there's a lot of them. There's that. There's the constitutionality of it. There's the there's there's all kinds of different things. But certainly would change things quickly in terms of our foreign policy. There'd be yes. no, there'd be no jumping into military exploits and staying there forever. Without anybody talking about what our goal is here, that would be the best part by far. Mouthy, armchair
2: Yahoos, whose own sons were going to be sent over would become less mouthy, armchair Yahoos in a big hurry.
1: Well, at least to they'd a be armchair Yahoos paying some attention. Right now, right. nobody even pays any attention. I agree. Doesn't even get f- covered. I agree. And you know, the other side of the argument might be, well, we just have to somehow, maybe we could
2: do employ some of those... Overly long, to my mind, somewhat phony psychological tests where you answer 330 questions for your would-be employer or whatever. And maybe we figure out, all right, who, who really ought to be not in positions of trust and importance and who can we trust? You know, maybe we could deal with the difficulties of the draft a little better now. But I do agree with you, though, awareness and understanding that these guys represent our country and gals. Um, this is important stuff. They can get hurt. They can die. You ought to care enough to pay some
1: attention. Imagine the conversation in the last uh, month over whether or not we should have U.S. soldiers protecting the Kurds in the Syrian Turkey border when you have a draft. This is right. the way it played out. Right. Be a completely different <laughs> thing. And uh, there's, there's no getting around the reality. That people who have served in combat are uncomfortable talking with those of us who haven't because we just don't even understand. Right. There's just no getting around that. Right. I mean, his, what he just described is the thing he's most proud of. Compare that to anything else that most people have done in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that's something. I'm glad we had him on.